Thank the Lord Jesus. And it's with great anticipation that I look forward to this night's of service, trusting that somehow, in some way, that our Heavenly Father will smile his blessings to us. And ever so often I get an opportunity to get in to have these services here in the in the church with the group, you little group that uh, the members here of the church and the visitors, of course. And um, this was not announced. It was just uh, a regular Wednesday night prayer meeting, and I said maybe tonight we'd find out whether they're coming back. And I thought if we'd take it over and maybe announce it for the next week, why it would... Uh, we can't see too many people here, and these type of services, if God willing, is not directed to the. Uh, it's directed to the church for the benefit of the church, or we feel that it's so greatly needed at the time everywhere, is to for the edifying of the body of Christ. And now this in teaching. I've had the healing services for eight years straight. And then teaching is going to be kind of something new. And I was thinking this afternoon when I opened the Bible after being very busy through the day, I thought, well, I told the people I'd teach on the seven church ages, maybe if the Lord's willing. I got the reading and just got that real happy when I started reading it. And I thought, well, I can take all that in one night, an hour. So I didn't know what the Holy Spirit would have us to do. We we don't try to set anything. It's just, if it be thy will, Lord. See, that's the best. And then, if it be the will of the Lord, I'd like to teach tonight on the church ages and tomorrow night on the mark of the beast and the next night on the seal of God. And that's... And then Saturday, my our brother Janitor was just telling me today, he said if they had a Saturday night, Sunday morning, usually when the strangers come in to our midst, why the church should be very dirty and so forth. So they suggested just have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I said, well, that would be perfectly all right as far as I was concerned. So then... We'll try, if the Lord willing, have it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. And perhaps Sunday night we may have a baptismal service, as people have already been asking about being baptized. And so now and we'll try every night to begin just on time at 7.30. And I get the platform by 8 o'clock. We ought to be evacuated from the tabernacle by 9.30. The Lord willing. So it's you, I know you work, and we have respect to that. And now, these little messages out of the book of Revelations are directed uh, to the church. And I wish everyone would bear this in mind, that they're not directed towards anybody's religion or any other motive, only just to my best of my knowledge, to the reading and explaining of the Word of God. 
It's not through any selfish motive, or it's not directed towards anybody, any individual, or anybody's church, anybody's religion. And the reason that I like to teach on this revelation here at the tabernacle, being my own church, why I just feel like I'm home, and and I just, uh, you know, kind of give my sheep the kind of diet that I thought they needed, you know. Some people sometimes have to put a little salt in when the, the, the alfalfa is a little moldy, you know. It might hurt the sheep, if you know. So once in a while when maybe the alfalfa gets a little moldy around the church and a little difference has come up, so I think a little salt kind of is a savior, don't you think so? It kind of keeps them from uh, getting sick. So now we pray that, that God will bless us in these efforts. And how many just feeling just as men and women like we are, I would like to look into that tomorrow night on what is the mark of the beast. It's so much about in the Bible. Who has it? Who will have it? And then the next, there's coming a time where that's going to be, and I don't know it, maybe now, we'll look and see, that there's going to be only two classes of people on the earth, and one's going to be marked with the devil and the other in the mark of God. And I think that if we're nearing into that time, we better kind of go to looking around and find out what that thing is because it certainly isn't going to come in only as some great big something if the Bible said it would slip in so easy that it would deceive the very elect if it is possible. So we'll try, if God willing, to look to it tomorrow night. Now that's just the best. Uh, bring your Bible along and your pencil and paper, you want to take down scriptures, and you just don't think that's just exactly right, write me a little note and put it on for the next time. I remember staying a year and six months in this book of Revelation and, and the tabernacle here. That's what I like in, in teaching. I just love teaching. Oh, my. Uh, I, I think it's wonderful. It gives the bases and settles the church. Yeah. Preaching. Now, there's some people that are preachers. They can pick up the word with inspiration and sway it out there in places. That's watering the seeds that the teacher has taught. <laughs> See? Now, you've got to put some seed in first and then water it. And the watering comes from the preaching of the word. There's a great, vast difference between a teacher and a preacher. See? It's two different gifts of the Spirit all together, two different gifts. And I humbly say this, but I haven't the gift of either. But mine, as of usual, is praying for the sick. That's what the Lord called me to do. And then in this time, it gives a relaxation of my mind to study on something different, not having divine healing services, just, just teaching the Word. And, oh, we get along pretty good here. We... I remember you put up with me for a long time, about 12 years around here on it. And I used to say, with not meaning it for a joke, but the teaching is so rough, I said, it's just like a fellow going to the table and eating the cornbread and beans. Now, it's good for you, but you get a little tired of it once in a while. You might have something on the side, some ice cream and cake once in a while, but it kind of balanced up the diet. But... The good old-fashioned stuff will stick with you pretty good, and at least it gives you some starters. Now, in this, 
It's to my humble belief that we are living in the closing days of the world's history. I want to make that real clear. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know. No one else knows. Jesus said not even the angels of heaven would know. He didn't know himself. He said that's only for the Father. He's the only one who knows. But it's sure and authentic that he is returning, and I just can't see anything else left but the coming of the Lord. When I look and see the nations broke, I see politics broke, I see the homes broke, I see the church broke, I, there's just nothing else commended but God, that's all. Because there have not nothing else, the morals of the nations broke, and the po political parties are broken, for we trusted so much in our politics, they're broke. And some great fellow in England not long ago said, well, uh, democracy was, was all sails and no anchors. That said, there come a time that to be on soapboxes lectioneering. Well, that's true, but he didn't think of his own beloved house of Lord's eye. It was a lot of sails and no anchor to it. Flew away also, and every kingdom of this world will be broke to pieces. Amen. Jesus Christ will rule and reign. Amen. So there's, my hopes is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. All around my soul gives way. He's all my hope and faith. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other grounds are sinking sand. And oh, how I wish now we'd start in for about a three-month teaching service so he could get to the book of Revelations and tie it in with Daniel, the great vision. How many is left in the little flock here that used to remember when they had the old chart across here? I know Brother Head was. We had several years when they had the old chart. Now, the book of Revelation types made up, and Daniel ties in with it, Isaiah ties in with it, all the Old Testament ties in with it, and it's the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in there, there's seven churches, seven plagues, seven seals, seven trumpets. Now, a trumpet represents war. A seal, a mystery unfolding. And a plague is what follows every war. And by God's help and with the book of history, I can prove to you that we're living at the seventh trumpet for the seventh plague and the seventh seal to be opened and the seventh vial to be poured out. When the sixth one sounds, we'll get on that maybe the ceiling away on Friday night when the first world war, while the, that sixth trumpet sounded according exactly according to the time God spoke of it, exactly geographically following the seal before that, and when the mystery was revealed in there for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and the people then, how the church did not move up, and those who were moving refused to walk in light and went back, and the plague was opened at that time and poured out upon the earth, which was influenza that killed all the people, as it did the thousands times thousands, and then coming down into this last age where we are here, and just come and listen to what the Lord has to say about in His Word. Now, that isn't my makeup. I'm just be reading it like a newspaper right out of the Word of God. Amen. So, this 
is his direct revelation to the church, to the church, the revelation of Jesus Christ to the church. Now, before we speak to him or speak of his writing, let us bow our heads and speak to him just a moment in a word of prayer. Our kind Heavenly Father, as we solemnly bow our heads to the dust whence we were taken and shall return someday, if thou dost tarry, we bow in humility to ask that you will be near us tonight to bless us. I can lay back the pages of this Bible, but there's no man that's able to open the book or to loose the seals thereof. And it's written in your, he that takes out of this shall be taken out of his part of the book of life, and who adds to it, the plagues of God will be poured out upon him. Father, realizing his mortal men and women sitting here tonight, knowing that we're an eternity-bound people, God, may the Holy Spirit come, the writer of this Bible, and open up these pages to us. And may thy humble and profitable servant preach as a dying man to dying man, as if this would be the last service I'd ever have this side of eternity. The last night we'd ever gather together and may every one of the laity act tonight as if this was their last sermon they'd ever hear. God, take away all folly. Make us sincere, knowing that we must answer it at the judgment of God someday. And our attitude towards him and his word now will determine our eternal destination. So, Father, with trembling hearts, we come to thee and ask, let the Lord Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit take the word of God tonight and give it to every heart as we have need. For we ask it in his name. Amen. <coughs> It just may seem a little strange to me for a few moments now I'm trying to start opening up a subject to teach because it's always been on divine healing for the last few years and then uh, then not on prophecy by no means and then and then go right into a prayer line. But now tonight we want to get the background of the book that we're asking God to open for us. That's the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. This book was wrote about AD 96 according to the writers, and it was John the Beloved, and he had this vision on the Isle of Patmos, an isle in the Aegean Sea about 15 miles or something around it in circumference, a real rocky place full of serpents and so forth, where the Roman a uh, nation used it as an Alcatraz, as we would have it today, a place of exile of criminals that the government could not control. And this book was wrote by the last one of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, believed to be the beloved that leaned on his bosom after the resurrection. And he said, What is it to thee if he tarries till I come? John died an old man. Every one of the martyrs sealed their testimony with their own blood. John, his destiny was met like this. He was caught and boiled in a vat of grease 
for 24 hours of hot boiling grease and without any harm coming to him. And they put him on the aisle as commonly believed as a witch. He would bewitch the grease so it wouldn't burn him, they said. Of course, it was the power of God that you can't borrow the Holy Spirit out of a man. Why? So they tried to boil it out of him, but God wouldn't permit it. And he had a work for him to do, and until God was finished with his man, there's nothing in the world can bother him. That's all. Amen. Now, John being old, he, they are told by historians that he was brought to the, to the church to preach, and he was so old, the only thing he would say was, little children love one another. I tell you, that's a very good thing to preach on. <laughs> Little children love one another. As I get older in the ministry now, and my, about in my 21st year, I think all the time as I go along that this, the more I think of the Lord Jesus, the more I begin to find out that it's love that covers the whole thing. Amen. The love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll just read a few verses here to be, get started, and then we'll go right into the teaching of the church, and then try to bring it to a place of God willing, in this much time that I have, to get it over to where we can get in, to where we can pick up the mark of the beast for tomorrow night. Now, this is to the church. Now, I'm going to try to get at least the church of Ephesus, the first church, and the last church that we're living in now, the church of the Lady of Sin. Now, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which will shortly come to pass. And he sent his angel and signified, and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, the scripture gives us a start here. It is a revelation, or the word revelation means something that's revealed, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John, and an angel was sent to bear record, or to signify it. And he bare record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of the things which he saw. Blessed is he that readeth. How many would like to have a blessing? Amen. Then readeth. He that readeth, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. In other words, not the time at hand then, but the time is at hand when they see this word being completed, when the complete revelation, when God started off like an artist drawing a picture of something, he begins to fill in his parts. You can begin to see it shape up. And as you begin at the first of the book of Revelation, you see Jesus Christ begin to come into the picture, and at the last of it you see him complete, seated with his church, glorified all the days of sin and trouble and temptations are over, and Christ is seated with his church in the great heavens above. All right. Fourth verse. Listen, John. To the churches. Now, this is John speaking. First was God introducing the revelation of Jesus Christ. Second, John, to the churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from 
him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before God. Oh, we just had a blackboard here now to get the drawing a little. See? The seven spirits which are before God. Now, to save a little time, and believing and I knowing that I wouldn't misquote anything for nothing in the world. And if you get a little doubt about it, jot it down and then ask me and I'll give you the scripture for it. And now as we have to hurry to get into this depressed for time. Now, the seven spirits that are before God, these seven spirits was represented as the seven uh, spirits that would be sent forth for the seven church ages. Seven spirits before God. We could pick up in the Old Testament and pick it out there if we just had time. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us. I just look at John get all wound up there. When he, he just goes to speaking, he said, to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Has made us priests and kings unto God. Us is plural. Not made me priest and uh, king, but made us, the church. Now he's addressing these seven churches for seven church ages. Now, he said, dominion and glory and be to him forever and ever has made us priests. Did you ever know what a priest is? What his office is? A priest is to make sacrifice, to make intercession. And over in Hebrews, it said that we, the church, is a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. See? A holy nation. Peculiar people. Royal priesthood. Offering, here it is now, offering spiritual sacrifice. Every man and woman that comes to God enters into the veil in the Old Testament. There was only a, a veil that hung between the holy place and the holiest of holies. Only Aaron alone was to go in there once a year. But every man that became a priest could have a bite or taste of the original manna that Moses and Aaron picked up the first day the manna began to fall from heaven. When they crossed the river of Jordan, the enemies was killed behind them, and the next day they went out and all over the ground laid little wafers. God rained it down out of heaven. They called it manna. Tasted like honey. And people were just supposed to pick up enough to last them for that one day. If they kept it over, it contaminated them. And God told Moses and Aaron to go out and pick up several omerfuls of it, great baskets, and take it into the, the ark, the holy place. And there that every time, after that generation, that every generation following that one, as long as that Levitical priesthood would last, I suppose, that every man that was eligible to become a priest when he was ordained a priest he had a perfect right to receive a mouthful of the original manna. Amen. 
Think of it. What a privilege that the man thought they would have when a man noted he was coming into the priesthood. He was going to get a, a mouthful of supernatural hate, supernatural stirred up, supernatural food that came from God out of heaven that had been kept supernaturally. Amen. The whole ministry is the supernatural. How can people ever say that they're Christians and deny the supernatural? I don't know how they do it myself. Look, but a supernatural. He got a swallow of the supernatural as soon as he become a priest. What a beautiful type of now that every person them days they had to be born in a certain lineage, a Levite, before they become a priest. But now it's whosoever will let him come. Amen. See? And as soon as they come, oh, they must a birth is considered in it also. You must be born again. Amen. And every man or woman that's born again of the Spirit of God has a right. For the this day, the manna. This manna is the Holy Spirit. When Peter, after they'd come out of the great confusion and the cowardliness that got away from them, and the Lord was blessing them, and the Holy Spirit fell at the day of Pentecost, they went out into the streets and began screaming and acting like crazy people, for insomuch that the people all thought they were drunk. Say, I wonder what we're going to do about that. Every per even the religious world then thought those people were drunk. And listen, my Catholic friend, the Blessed Virgin Mary was with them. And if she couldn't get to heaven until she went up there and got a taste of something that made her act like a drunk woman, how are you going to get there anything less than that? But she received something, 120 with the women, Mary Magdalene and those, and went out into the streets acting like drunk people, staggering to the real, if you'll pardon the expression, the sophisticated church of that day, said, look at them. That shows what they are. They're all full of new wine. That's what it was. Now, listen, Peter said, then they begin to say, said, You men of Jerusalem, you that dwell in Jerusalem, Judea, let this be known unto you and hearken to my words. These are not drunk. I'm talking about the Ephesian church here now. See? See? All right, the first church age. He said, These are not drunk, as you suppose. This is the third hour of the day. The spoons are not even open. This is the third hour of the day. He said, But this is that which is spoke of by the prophet Joel. It's written in your own Bible. In your own Bible, this is written, that this thing will take place. Well, I said, you ought to have known this, you teachers. Well, could it be just as, as the church was brought in under that demonstration and the same demonstration promised for the last days? Can't you part back and say, this is what was spoken of? Amen. There you are. And the outside world doesn't know nothing about it. It's, it's foolishness to them. Now, they said, he said, looky here. And they said, now, when they heard this, he told them how that they had crucified Jesus. 
And every time you can get forgiveness for crucifying Jesus, you can get forgiveness for taking his name in vain. But who speaks against the Holy Ghost will never be forgiven in it. In this world or the world to come, we're in the last age. So be careful. Walk humbly. Have a contrite, broken spirit, a humble heart, willing to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, all right. Here we are. They're all up there, just the people acting like they was cowards a few hours before, closed up in the upper room. But when the Holy Spirit come up on them and fill their hearts out into the streets, I don't imagine they were they were not doing things that was wrong. They were out there rejoicing and praising God and such a way that there was a manifestation. They were just not out there fussing with one another now. Whether they were Methodists or Baptists, they were, or whether they were Pharisees or Sadducees, they were out there rejoicing because that they had got a taste of Amen. heaven in their soul. God had given them the spiritual manna. Now, if God poured out the manna there in the natural, and it lasted as long as they were in the journey, a beautiful time. In the day they entered the promised land, the manna ceased. And on the day of Pentecost, the same thing. Look at Pentecost to Moses. They looked back and they seen the enemy was dead. Miriam grabbed a tambourine, began to beat it and scream and dance and run down the bank. The women followed her doing the same thing. And Moses threw up his hands and sang in the Spirit. At Pentecost, the women come out staggering and jumping and dancing and carrying on. Peter stood up in the midst of them and said, You men of Judea and you that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. This is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy upon my hands, maids and maids, servant, I'll pour out of my spirit. And they shall prophesy, and I'll show wonders in the heavens above and in the earth below, pillars of fire and vapor and smoke. This shall come to pass before the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. On and on he went preaching. And when they heard this, they listened and said, Look at that fellow. Where did he get this education? Some of them said he can't even write his own name. The Bible said he was an ignorant or unlearned man. What school is he from? None. Well, how does this ever come about? How did this ever happen? Amen. They took he said, well, say, that man's really quoting Scripture, and we never heard it like that before. Amen. See? He said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. For the promise isn't to you, your children, to them as far off, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. In other words, this man of blessing... That fallen year, like it did the manna back there, is going to be for this generation, the next generation, the next generation, to Jefferson, Indiana, and to the utmost parts of the world. Amen. And the Amen. same Holy Spirit that fell then falls now. Amen. Same result. Amen. Same thing. Same people. Hallelujah. See what I mean? Just perfect. Notice, I will give unto him. He that overcomes, I'll give him the bread of life. He said that to one of the churches. 
and he'll not thirst no more, neither shall he hunger no more. He'll never thirst no more. If a man every once, here it is, get the jacket tightened up tight. If a man or a woman ever truly once receives the Holy Spirit, you'll never be able to move him no more. He knows where he's at. You may come with isms and everything. He'll walk right straight through. He'll never thirst no more. He knows just exactly who his maker is. Never be confused. Don't bother him. He moves right on. I will give to him all the bread of life, and he'll never hunger no more, and neither will he thirst anymore. And the tree which is in the midst of the paradise of God, he'll eat from. The tree, which the tree was Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus being dead and come back in the form of the Holy Spirit. So he's here in the manna that's eaten in the church. Notice, behold, the sixth verse, and he has made us priests and kings unto God, spiritual priesthood, royal nation, spiritual offering. What is it now? Spiritual sacrifices. That is, quote the scripture, that is the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. Of what kind of a what? A spiritual sacrifice. Now, now I might as well get started right here. Notice a good place to start from. When a little confusion comes in the church, you don't run over one side and count now. You are, you sure ain't a priest. You pray through. Spiritual sacrifice, the fruits of our lips, giving praise to his name. See what I mean? Well, you say, I just don't feel like going to church. But you're a priest. It's your duty. You've got to be there. Well, I just don't feel like taking a part in the service. You're a priest. Making a sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. Not giving somebody some hand-me-downs as they call it today. That's all good. I have nothing against it. Not going to get somebody to come to church. That's all good. I have nothing against it. But it's you. You making the spiritual sacrifice. The fruits of your lips giving praise to his name. When you see the time coming and everybody blaspheming and saying these things and doing things wrong, what do you do? Walk away? You're supposed to stand there with a spiritual sacrifice. Then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin and makes me a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're crazy, fellow. According to what you say, it's all right. But to me, it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. I believe it. Now, I say you believe in divine healing. I don't really bear ask a pastor. What do you think about it? You're the priest now. You're the guy that say, yes, sir, I believe it. Because God's word says it so. You believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes, sir. How do you know I've received it? A spiritual blessing. The Holy Spirit that fell on the apostles. The same Holy Spirit falls now. You say just for the apostles. We'll settle that in a little while. A spiritual priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices. Now, 
Now the eighth verse of the seventh, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Now, let me stop here just a moment. Cloud doesn't mean that he's coming on a big thunderhead, as Mama, bless her heart, she's sitting here somewhere. That little boy, she used to sit and tell me, he said, he's coming on a great big cloud, going to raise someday, and God's going to come. And now, the cloud that he's coming in, if we just had the time to get all this back and get the real background of the whole thing, now, the cloud he's coming in is not a cloud like a thunderhead, but it's a cloud of glory he's coming in, see? See? Now, when Jesus was overshadowed by God on Mount Transfiguration, clouds overshadowed him in his raiment, see? And when Elijah was come down, a cloud come down and received him up. Not a, not a pillar of fire, not a, I mean, not a thunderhead, but a cloud of glory. His great, glorious presence shall strike the earth. He cometh and clouds. Oh, I love that. Clouds. There'll be wave after wave of His glory will come across the earth. And the resurrection of the saints shall come. Well, that blessed Holy Spirit that lived in their hearts and they died with their hearts laying there and the tears stains over their cheeks and things like that. They're placed out there in the graveyard. A great wave of that same Spirit. That wave after wave. He that was last will be first, and he that was first will be last. How can it be that way? That's the order of the resurrection. I won't know nobody in the generation before me or the generation after me. I know those in the generation of this, and every generation will come successfully right as it went down. They which were last will be first. Sure, that's the See, I'll know my people, the next time my dad will know his people, his grandfather, his people, on down like that, wave after wave after wave after wave, and the saints are rising from everywhere. Won't that be wonderful? Amen. That makes the old people feel young again. Yes. Now, notice closely. All right, comes in here in the clouds, and every eye shall see him. No matter how far back they died, they'll still see him. And they also which pierce him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. John just had to holler, amen, if so be it, let it be that way. I am Alpha and Omega. Now, Alpha is the A in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the Z in the Greek alphabet. I'll, in other words, if it was translated today, I am A to Z. Now, who else is <laughs> I am the first. I am the last. I am from A to Z. Wish we had time to get in on the deity of Christ right now, which would be very appropriate at this time. The deity. So days when so many people are trying to make him just a teacher, just a philosopher, or merely a prophet, he was God. He was either God or the biggest deceiver the world's ever had. If he was a prophet, his blood was a man. If he was a, a teacher, an educator, his blood was a man. He was God, and his blood was divine. Almighty God overshadowed the Virgin Mary and created the blood cell in her womb that brought forth the Son, Christ Jesus, and God condescended and lived in that body. God, Emmanuel, made flesh among us. Take away the sins. When God made his first man, he made him in his own image, which was a spirit man. 
Genesis 1.26. All right. Then there was no man to seal the soil. After done, made man male and female. We'll get into that at one with seven stars, but just but he made both male and female back there in the beginning. That's right. In his own image, in God's spirit. And then Genesis 2, there was no man to till the soil, so God put him in the flesh, made man not in his image, but out of the dust of the earth. That's right. Give him a hand like a monkey and a foot like a bear, whatever, I don't know. But he gave him five senses to contact his earthly home. And then that man sinned, and God came down and was made man to take away the sin of man. Amen. Redeeming. I am Alpha and Omega. I look at him over here in Revelation, the fourth chapter, when John turned to see this voice again, what was speaking to him. He was sitting upon a throne, and a rainbow was over his head. And the rainbow has got seven perfect colors. And these seven perfect cover, colors represented the seven church ages. That's right, again. And what was it? Here it is, brother, this is fresh. Look, seven perfect colors, seven, and a rainbow represents the covenant. God gave Noah the rainbow first as a covenant. And those elements are still in the earth as God promised before him. When it rains, he sees the bow. He said, I'll never destroy it with water no more. And then he looked upon Jesus as seven rainbow colors above him. He was in this, which was God's covenant. And he was standing amidst seven golden candlesticks, and he was looked upon as Jasper and Sardis stone. Jasper was Reuben, and Sardis stone was Benjamin. That was the first and the last of the patriarchs. That Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, and the seven rainbow colors, seven church ages, the covenant with him in the seven golden candlesticks of the seven stars. Oh, what a picture. If we get to it after a while, maybe the Lord willing. All right, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Who is he? What's this a revelation of? Jesus Christ. And here he's not a prophet. Here he is the Almighty, God, manifested, the Alpha, Omega. I'm from A to Z. I'm he that was, which is, and shall come. I am the Almighty. Pretty clear, isn't it? No chance of controversy there. Lord, which was, which is, and shall come, the Almighty. Now John speaks. Listen. I, John who also am your brother in compassion and tribulation and in the kingdom, the patience of Jesus Christ was in the Isles called Patmos for the word of God. Say, could you imagine a man being put in a place like that for the word of God? Yes, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was exiled out there for preaching the word to a religious people. That's what the word says, isn't it? He was out there for preaching, exiled, excommunicated from the church, from society, from all the world. Amen. But 
he wasn't excommunicated from the one who loved him and washed him in his own blood. He was with his presence. In the aisle called Patmos for the word of God's sake. I wonder how many preachers today would go. Get down to you go do a little something, a little something, get upset. We get so disturbed about it. And here this man had been boiled in grief for 24 hours and sold out on the aisle of Patmos and the Lord was still with him. Amen. I just like that old song we used to sing, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Amen. We sing it, but I wonder if we really mean it. <laughs> to my honest opinion, it won't be too long or you're going to be given a chance to prove it. <laughs> so you better be really sure. Check up, take inventory, see if everything's just right. Now, just, uh, just got to... Getting started here now, John answers, and he said he was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and testimony. I was in the Spirit. I like that. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Speaking of another day now to my Advent friends, which we're sure to get into it after a while. All right. In the Spirit on the Lord's day. Got in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet. Let's not leave these symbols now. We're basing up now so we know what we're talking about when we get over here. See what we're going to speak about. Who is it? What is this fellow? What's the revelation of Jesus Christ? Who is he anyhow? How did he come? What does it mean to me? See if it means anything to you. See, see what it takes place or to me. Notice. I was in the Spirit. No matter how saintly you are, how godly you are, how much of a minister or lay member or whatever you are, you'll never be able to get anywhere with God till you get in the Spirit. Amen. Now, I don't mean getting emotion. I mean getting the Spirit. See? You get emotion, do anything. But when you get in the Spirit, you see things. That's right. I can imagine old Elijah, the old prophet. Down there that day when when, ah, when Ahab's son made an alliance with some unbelievers and, and Jehoshaphat had joined in with them and he went out in the desert for seven days and didn't fetch any compass for just seven days enough to take care of them for seven days. Didn't consult the Lord, just went on out anyhow. Isn't that just like people? Oh, I tell you, if that's a better job, I'll just quit this church and go over to that one. I better consult the Lord about that. Find out what it is. Went out there and found out they got in trouble. The water supply got cut off. That's what the matter of the church is today. Going around doing a lot of things you don't consult the Lord about, your supply is getting cut off. You wonder why you're not getting the blessings you used to get the power of God working among you. Maybe the supply line's been cut. You know, when you get out water, I get into the desert sometime out there in Arizona, and I notice that every little old bush on that desert is harmful. It'll stick you. Every time you get against it, it'll stick you. Because it doesn't have enough water to take care of it, stickers come out. For defense, you come back up here or up in Oregon or somewhere where it rains all the time, and every one of them same kind of bushes has got a sticker on them. See, the water keeps them soft. And that's what's the matter the church. When you get all dried up and shackled up and everything, you get so cold and formal and indifferent, you don't get any spiritual blessings, then your heart gets all filled up and full of indignation and wrath and everybody, I'll get even with him, I'll get even with her, I'll quit the church. Just a bunch of stickers living in the desert. 
What you need some good old fashioned Holy Spirit water rain down upon you. Toughen up that old card off. Amen. I'm not trying to clown. I'm trying to get this to you. Brother, you're going to find out if you take the mark of the beast where you're going to be standing. And you're absolutely helpless and hopeless when you do it. There's no remission for it. You can never get out of it. Right. You can do it by the wink of your eye, nearly. See? So be careful. Now, here it is. Well, give unto him. Notice the desert. I said the the waters, how that the waters kept them soft. That's what we do today. Get in the Spirit. John said, I was in the Spirit. While Elijah out there on the desert, they come down to Jehovah and said, let's go down and consult the prophet. They went out in front of the prophet. Well, now he got up his righteous indignation. He looked over to that fellow. And he said, why don't you go to your mother's God? Why don't you go back to your own old cold formal church? What'd you come to me for and you got in trouble? That wasn't a very good thing to say. But that's just so much words that meant that. Why'd you come down to me? Why don't you go to your mother's God? You all had those big fine churches and all those fine fed priests and so forth back there. Well, I'm back and ask them about it. Why'd you come down here to me? Wow. He kind of got all stuffed up sure enough, didn't he? He said, it wasn't I respected the presence of that godly man, Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you. Oh, my. What a condition that prophet got into. Now he's all in that kind of picture. said, well, bring me a minstrel. Some people don't believe in music in the church. But he said, bring me a minstrel. And when the minstrel began to play some good old hymn, Hear my God to me, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. When the minstrel began to pray, the Spirit of God got on the prophet. And when the Spirit got on him, he got in a vision. He began to see things. You have to get the Spirit of God. And you say, I can't understand how people can say amen. Get the Spirit one. I can't see how they stand at the baseball game and beat one another in the back and holler and hoot and pull the hats down and carry on. Seems like crazy to me. Well, you say, you're not a very good baseball fiend. I'm just about as much. How about you as a Christian? <laughs> All right. That's right. You've got to get into the spirit of it. Yeah. That's the way it is when you used to go to dances. I don't need you to go now. Surely not. But if you, you used to go, they had to play up the hoop-up music and beat the bands and beat the drums and do every kind of thing there was about it. And the women run out there half-naked and everything else and dance on the floor and things. Get to the spirit to dance. Well... That's right. You get in the spirit of it. It's the spirit of the devil. Glad you said amen because it's the truth. I'll prove it by the Bible. Right? All right. Say, well, I don't believe it. Well, it ain't what you say or what I think. It's what God's Word says. That's what settles it. That's the final word. Yes, sir. He said, if you love the world, things of the world, love of God's not even in you. That's right. And you remember when that little old woman taught her daughters to tap dance and things like that and went down there and danced before the king and required the head of John the Baptist? Seventy of her children died as prostitutes on Galilee. You see what it does like that. Moses' mother stayed home and kept him and taught him the word of the Lord. You see what happened to him. And his, through him come out Abraham and so forth and on down. All right, just depends on what you want to do. You're your free moral agent. You act on whatever you desire to act upon. Right? God has put before man like the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of death. You make your choice. Amen. See? 
Whatever your soul is charmed for, that's what you'll eat. Notice. Now, and they were, I want to read this again now. He was in the Spirit. The Spirit come up on him. He began to see things. Now watch. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard. I got in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet. Trumpet. Trumpet is an announcement. Gabriel, at the coming of the Lord, shall sound the trumpet of God. This is God's trumpet blowing. In other words, he's fixing to announce the eternal destination of the world. A trumpet. What is it? Get ready. I'm going to give you the revelation of Jesus Christ to give to the church. I'll speak to you what will be the destination of the world for those who receive and those who reject. A trumpet of God. A tension. Every man with a trumpet blows, he grabs his sword and stands to a place. Attention. The trumpet. Paul said the trumpet gives the uncertain sound. Who shall prepare for war? That's the way it is today. Oh, brother! Now look around see all these cold formal different churches and things like that had a form of godliness and denying the power of that. How can a man prepare himself? Give it an uncertain sound. Say, well, now, I'll join the churches. I'll go over and try the Methodists or the Baptists or the Lutheran or the Pentecostals. I'll do something. I'll make some kind of move. Oh, that's not it. Amen. Except the man be born again. I don't care if he's Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, or whatever he is. You've got to be born again. You'll not enter the kingdom. Amen. Look. Voice of a trumpet saying to me, I'm Alpha and Omega. The first thing I'll, he introduces here, that I am the first and the last. The first thing when the trumpet of God sounded up, he turned and he said, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm from A to Z. Amen. I'm all of it now. Stand and listen to me a while. All right. The first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. That's this book we're reading. And send it unto the where? Address specifically whereabouts? Back to the age? No, to the church. To the church. Notice what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia which was the type of the church. Now, we'll get into that in a few minutes. Showing how the Old Testament typed up in seven ages. Seven ages set, or seven churches set here in Asia, which the Bible plainly teaches, which was the shadow or type of the seven church ages that was coming. And by God's help, and with the Bible, can prove that every church age landed just exactly where it said it would, just exactly where the Bible said it would, and we're at the end of the last church age. And go back to the Old Testament, pick up Daniel's dream, and show him the vision of the Gentile kingdom, how that he saw Amy standing with a head of gold, breast of silver, and thighs of brass, and feet and legs of iron and clay, and show how every one of those kingdoms have succeeded one another just exactly the way the Bible says. And look, the head of gold, Babylon, Medes and Persia, Greeks, 
and the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire broke up into ten kingdoms, Eastern and Western Rome, and so forth. And in there, there was iron and clay, and they wouldn't mix together. Protestant and Catholicism under the same Gentile domination. And he said that even to try to break one another's power, they would intermarry with one another. Just exactly what they're doing today. Exactly. And that kingdom in the days of those kings, the God of heaven cut a stone out of the mountain without hands, that smote this image in the feet and broke all the Gentile kingdoms down, and the kingdom of Christ ruled and reigned Amen. and grew and covered the earth. Amen. The Gentile kingdoms painted away like trash, like a husk on a thrashing floor in the summertime. What a picture that we're living in. That's true. And today you see Catholic and Protestant marrying among one another, trying to break the powers down. Raise your children. Have to promise them to raise them this way or that way. We'll get into it after a bit, in a few nights. Notice how it is and how the other, the strong of the arm, dominated over the other. Broke it to pieces and shattered it away. But the land came. And stood, and the holy people, and that day, how that Roman power went through every nation. There's not another power in the world. And only one way it can go through is through Catholicism, the Catholic Church, into all the world. Breaking out in there. It's a marvelous great picture here. Now, I think you Protestants, just keep your shoes on, because, brother, you're right with it. <laughs> I can prove it to God's Word. You're right into it, just as big as, as the rest of them. Now, what? Now, the first and the last, what you see, write in a book. Now he said unto him, write this in a book and send it to the churches which are in, in Asia, unto Ephesus and to Sardis and Pargus and so forth and Philadelphia and Laodiceans. Now, we'll stop there just a moment or two, just see how much time i got because I want to get to this last keynote here on Ephesus and pull it over to Laodicea and, and see if we're not patterned up in the same church. Okay. See if we're not living in this day. Oh, church of the living God, rise and shine. Look, you don't realize. I wish I had some kind of a shock that I could give you some way. I wish the Holy Spirit would come in His great power and move you to a place that you grab this Bible and say, let me look into this. When you see Nations are breaking, Israel awakening, the signs that the Bible foretold, Gentile days numbered with horrors encumbered, return, O dispersed to your own. That's right. The day of redemption is near, man's hearts are failing for fear. Be filled with God's Spirit, your lamp trimmed and clear. Look up, your redemption is near. That's right. Oh, what a day. Right and send it to the churches. Now, just as Israel come in in its beauty back in the beginning under Abraham, come on down to the patriarchs. And in the day of Ahab, it went into the dark ages. The darkest age that the church seen went out of there. And in that time, how that Ahab married Jezebel, brought idolatry into the Orthodox church, the same thing. That Protestantism married Romanism in the 1500 years of Dark Ages in the Persian church and come out with idolatry under the form of Christianity. Going on out into the lukewarm ages coming on before 
and we're in it right now. We're in the lukewarm age. You don't believe it. I'm going to head out on the you people out in the other churches. You're in a lukewarm age and you're advancing across the earth, around the earth, preaching things like that. You're getting no work. You're hollering, you Baptists are hollering a million more than 44. What have you got when you got them? Just got a bunch of sinners come in with their names on the book. That's right, said they belong to Baptist church. Not only that, but the other Methodists, Candlelights, and the whole group. Just as far more in the difference. Billy Graham had that 30,000 converts, he said, in six weeks. And six weeks later, he couldn't find 30. Why? Why? They never got nothing to start with. Just a bunch of sinners went in and put their name on the book of the spell of the revival. He said the kingdom of heaven is like one pitched the net to see when he brought forth. He had everything. He had turtles. He had crawfish. He had terrapins. He had spiders. He had water bugs. He had serpents. Right. But in there he had some fish also. And when a man preaches the revival on the power and demonstration of the Holy Amen. Spirit, the net is drawn around the people. That's right. Amen. But if he's a bogey to begin with, he's Amen. a bogey to the revival. Yeah. If he's a water spider, the first thing you know, he'll go look around and say, I don't believe in this little stuff anyhow. Pop off back to the water. If he's a snake, you'll say, I told you about it. And away he'll go. He was a snake to begin with. His nature was. And he'll never be nothing else until that nature's changed. A man can't join church or get all emotional worked up or anything else to become a Christian. It's got to be a solid birth of the Spirit. Sincerity, yeah. dying out, crying yeah. out, laying out until he's dead twice. Remember, life can only come out of death. A grain of corn, if it abides, it abides alone, it will never mean no more than that one grain of corn. Except the corn of wheat fall in the earth. It abides alone. But when it falls there, it rocks, contaminates, and out of that midst of corruption comes the germ of life that gives it life and produces more. Except the church will be born again, die out till its creeds and theologies and so forth, and be born anew of the Spirit of God will be alone, formal, ungodly, indifferent. Amen. That's old-fashioned, fast-fresh preaching, but it'll save you, brother. Right. It'll keep you when the storm's going hard. Get rooted and grounded. Get all the dirt scraped off for you, pour your concrete. Notice, that's right, the anchor rod's down good and tight. Oh, brother, what a day that we're living in. Formal, indifferent, church age. Yes, sir, to the seven churches that send this message. Now in that church age, they begin to come in. They waited into idolatry. They do the same thing now. They come in doing the same thing. And out of that come in formal Christianity. Begin to fading away until we're getting down to the last church age. Now, the modern church, which we call the denomination, we hold in this people, you know. We call them the modern and they go out there and they start their revival too. You say they're not getting anywhere, but now wait just a minute. What do we got? Got nothing. No more than they got. That's exactly right. As long as we fuss and stew and care among one another, we still walk as man. Until a man can get out the altar and get right with God, he can overlook little things and move on like a Christian ought to. Pop can't call kittle black. 
Amen. Right. Don't hold them. Amen. Let's clean our own steps first. Use the strangers. I'm giving the church a little gospel spanking now. No, that's right. Amen. That's exactly what you need. Oh, you say, we got it. Get up there and beat a piano as hard as they can go and a bunch of drums and run up and down the floor and go out and fuss at your neighbor. Have you got anything? <laughs> no, sir. The only thing we got is the lukewarm. As long as the music's running, we're running. When the music stops, we stop. Brother, don't call the other fellow something. Let's look around your own door first. Amen. Amen. I tell you, we need an old-fashioned revival like you used to have down the country when they lay on the face all night long, not to carry on, but when real godly stories, not for that to all say, but go out and make it right with the neighbors that made it wrong with and get straightened up. Got to know that, my friend. Yes, sir, lukewarm. That's a horrible condition for the church to be in. We don't watch the Grand Tabernacles about that same sway. Listen, you know these things have been taught year after year after year after year on this platform. Warning you of these things coming when the Bible said there'd be a time to go from the east and the west and north and south trying to find the true word of God and fail to find it. You better get anchored. For you know where you're standing. Yeah, a man is once born again, not emotionally worked up, not from enthusiasm, not the fuck his name on a church book, not the joining the biggest church in the city, but when he's actually cried to and begged with tears in his eyes until God has yeah. forgiven his sins, cleansed his soul of yeah. the life of sin, and filled him with the Holy Spirit with such yeah. love and godly. So he takes some old tar to the back, he's stolen the neighbors and goes and makes up these things and lives godly before men. We'll never have a revival in this country until we have that. Amen. Judgment begins at the house of God, by the word of God. Amen. Not a textbook, but the Bible. Not what some church teaches their theology, but what God says. Then you'll have a revival where great powers and wonders and signs and miracles and everything else will take place. We're lukewarm. Because we're lukewarm in this age, God said, I'll spew you from my mouth. Amen. This church age will be rejected. There'll be a remnant out of it that'll be saved. So better mark yourself by good to find out if you're in that remnant now. We'll get into it in a minute, if God willing. Just notice now. And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me. And being turned, look. I saw seven golden candlesticks, or lampstands, the Greek says. Now, that's the first translation because they didn't have the candles and they had the little lampstands. Now, the seven golden candlesticks, we call them. Now, in the holy place for the shewbread, and many of you clergymen understand, and that you people here at the tabernacle being taught with a good teacher here, you, you know these things. The seven golden candlesticks, they were had little lamps on top of them that burnt oil. Over in Zechariah, where he saw the vision, I believe it was, and he saw the wild olive tree and the tame olive tree, the Jew and the Gentile, way before the dispensation of the Gentile, they had a golden censer, and both of these golden censers run into this one candlestick here that furnished oil for all the lamps. And he couldn't understand how these things were. The wild olive tree and the tame olive tree. And the tame olive tree, of course, is broke off the wild olive tree, dressed it into it. And that oil to the lamp 
all represents the Holy Spirit. Always. We're getting that on the mark of the people. Friday night. Notice. But this all represents Holy Spirit. That's why we anoint the sick with oil. Is because it represents the Holy Spirit. The Bible said in Revelation, the sixth chapter, when the plague went through, he said, a measure of wheat for a penny and two measures of barley for a penny, but don't hurt my wine and my oil. Which means go take Revelations on through for a few weeks and get into that, who that wine and oil is. See, this you're hurting out my wine and my oil. Won't you come near? Amen. Now, notice these golden candlesticks. This all poured into these candlesticks. Now, the oil was what was put in the lamp to burn. Now, Aaron, was, it was his duty to light these lamps. And these lamps had to be lit. Hold it on now. Look. Keep reverend and listen. These lamps had to be lit by the fire that God had lit. Aaron's sons went in with some strange fire and God slew him in the door. That's right. Strange fire. The fire that God started. And watch. Now the candlesticks running an arch. Here was one candlestick, two, three, four. Well, five, six, seven. Like this. Now those golden candlesticks here, as he says in a few minutes, let's read a little farther. Maybe we'll get it. And listen to what he said now. All right. And his head, I believe I've got ahead of the twelfth verse there. Seven golden candlesticks, thirteenth verse. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and a girdle about the path of the golden girdle. His head was as his hair was as white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were flames of fire. Now let's stop there just a minute because we can't leave that picture there just like that. Look at these candlesticks down here now. Now those candlesticks, as we'll find a little later, represents the seven church ages. They represent Ephesus, Pergus, all down to Philadelphia, and all over the Lady of Sin, seven church ages. And each one of these little candlesticks had a little cruise of oil sitting in it. And this oil burnt on this candle. Now, when one candle was lit by the fire of God, they taken that candle and lit the other one, then set it down and lit the other one, and one lit off the other, and off the other, and off the other, to the last candle. Notice, same oil. Now, these seven church ages begin with Ephesus, Tyra, Horvath, and all through, and the Holy Spirit, which is the oil of God, fell on the church at the beginning in Ephesus, the Ephesian church, which was the church of grace. You Baptist sort of holler, amen there. And then on the church of grace, which in Ephesus, the Ephesian letter, sets us out who he was before the foundation of the world. It fell there and they received the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute, my Baptist brother. How did they receive it? How did they get it? By joining the church? Never. They got it by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You say, yes, Brother Brown, that's right. What happened to you when it fell on you? Amen. Notice, the same fire that burned to all there in Ephesus burned in Tyra. The same fire burned there burned in Tyra. 
do to the lady of sin church age. The same Holy Spirit lit by the same God, by the same fire, and the fire that fell on Pentecost has lit the candle of the church to every age. But the trouble is, we Baptists, we Methodists, we're way back up here trying to take some historical thing, and here goes the church down here. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's where we're left behind. Every church when it started, there wasn't look at Luther in the first Reformation. What a revival. Luther. Look, I've got his textbook at home. How did that man shook under the power of God? How did he believed in divine healing, he accepted it himself. Believed in the power of God. Even so much till he spoke in tongues. Martin Luther. That's exactly right. Martin Luther spoke with tongues. And then the next age come down John Wesley. John Wesley done the same thing. When he was preaching, he said, What are these words that I but I'm going to myself? That's right. Speaking with tongues, breathing in divine healing. And when he comes to America, the churches here treat him like they do the holy rollers today. They put him out in churches and they preach the gospel out there and fell under the power of God until they laid on the floor all night at a time. And John Wesley's own textbook that I got at home now, where he was riding a horse one day to pray for a woman. It was sick, and the horse fell and broke his leg, and he got off the horse and took a cruise to oil and anointed the horse with oil, and it got on it and rode away. Same fire burning there. But you've got down to a ritualistic form of something, and the Holy Ghost is moving on. Right. And in the Methodist church, they got something wrong with them. The Bible, their book says they got the jerk. And they were starting to walk in the jerk and jump and act like that. In their tent meetings and things. The Methodists. Wow, brother, if John Wesley could rise on the scene, he'd be so ashamed that he hit deny you. Unless he give you a good gospel whipping with the gospel that he preached. Amen. I stood out all over the shrine where they turned them hounds loose that day when he was preaching the, the new birth and so forth and that. And the high church of England turned them dogs loose for him. And he said, the sun will not fall on your head three times he called me to pray for him. And he did and died. That's right. Sure. That's what we need today. We need that kind of Methodist. We need another Baptist like John Smith. Who stayed in the room and agonized with God and prayed all night in such a way till his eyes were swollen so bad at morning his wife would lead him to the table to eat. Amen. Oh, what do we do today? Stand out on a corner with a cigarette in her mouth and deacon in the church and go down and act the picture shows and watch televisions all night and stay away from church, smoke, drink, gamble, run the horse races and call ourselves Baptists. Oh, oh yeah! What we need today is another old passion, God sent Holy Ghost Amen. revival. Amen. Amen. I don't mean I'm trying to get you to get excited. I know you're not excited, but brother, that's the truth. Yeah. I'm just a point to you. The truth is what we need. All right. Now that's the Bible. That's what the Spirit says. See? The candlestick. All right. Now the 13th verse. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. What one like him? Who was this? His bride. One like him, watch how it was. Clothed with a garment down to the foot. The holiness of Jesus Christ covered Has washed us from our sins with his own blood. Or girded about the path, not a man, a woman. With a golden girdle, the gospel that helps the power and glory of God over the body of Christ. 
Oh, what a beautiful picture we got here under consideration. Look at here. Down to the foot. And a girl about to pass with a golden girdle. His head, his hair was white as wool, white as snow. Righteousness, holiness, white speaks of. His eyes like flames of fire. Looks right to it. Don't try to hide from him. He knows who you are, where you are, and what you've done. Yes, sir. He sees everything. Oh, God, we got this few minutes to get to this other church age if we can. Notice, and his feet were like fine brass. Brass always is judgment. You know the brazing altar and the brass serpent and so forth? Brass speaks of judgment. His feet then the church of Jesus Christ is set upon divine judgment. Christ dying in our stead, the just one, paying our judgment up there before God and died there as a sinner on the cross and his soul ascended into hell and God not suffering his holy one to see corruption raised him up on the third day for our justification who sets at his right hand now a high priest can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities which shall return in like manner as he went into heaven to receive a glorious church that's made herself ready blood washed and second born what a what a vision amen alright like fine bread or now watch, and his, and, and his feet was like fine bread, as if they had been burned in a furnace. That's all the dross taken out. And his voice, the voice of many waters. Watch this, the church speaking to him now. Waters, Revelation 17, 15 said, waters means sickness and multitudes of people. Now his voice, or this being that was standing there looking like this, Christ in his church, as bride and Christ being one, like husband and wife is one, the church and Christ being molded together with one person, the same Holy Spirit, the things that Christ did, the church does also. Do you see it? That beautiful church there, in holiness, in power, in majesty, with seeing visions, signs, wonders, everything just like he did. Here it is on earth, giving all praise to God, saying, I can do nothing except the Father shows me, but he shows me. And here it is, and we come to see these things go taking place. Now, Christ molded into one, and the voice of many waters, many people, not just the one, it was the whole church, the seven churches molded together as one great ransom body of the Lord. The Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, all that's born again with the Holy Ghost, speaking with the power of God. That's the body. That's the body. And he had in his right, right, Everything in the Bible has a meaning to it. See? In his right hand, seven stars. I, he's a king. And out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like unto the sun shining in his strength. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. Out of the mouth of this standing there, Christ in the church is one. In his hand he held seven stars. You'll see in a few minutes, we'll only get to it, let the Bible just speak what it was. It was the seven ministers, one minister to each age of these seven church ages, coming out, hold them in his right hand. Amen. Amen. There he is. There were seven angels, seven messengers, one to each church. Get it? There he's standing there. And out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. What is a sharp two-edged sword? Hebrews, the fourth chapter, said the word of God is sharper, more powerful than a two-edged sword, Amen. even going to the mire of the bone and a discerner of the thoughts of the mind. Or, and when I saw him, I fell on my, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand 
on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. <laughs> I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. That's Jesus. Now watch. Write these things which thou seest, and the things which uh, are, and these things which shall be hereafter. All right. And the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand are hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are seven angels of the seven churches. Ooh, hold that. Seven angels are seven ministers of the seven churches. There's the church of the leader of Ephesus. Now, if God would permit, and we continue on with this and not take the mark of each, I can show you every one of them right down to this last age, which, which it was. Show you the Philadelphia church, which was the Methodist, John Wesley. Show you the, the church tyrant right immediately after Fergus, which was uh, 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 Martin Luther, and go right on down the age and show each one of them. They come and brought the message, established the message in the earth, and right down to the last message today. That's right. For God sent an angel from heaven, vindicated his servant, and sent a message forth to everyone. This will not be a church. It will not be an organization in this last day because God has laid the organization on the shelf and all of you are aware of that. And wait till we get through tomorrow night on the mark of the beast and see where your church is at. See, in your organization. Now what? The churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. They are the churches and the stars which is holding each star now look, could we just stop a minute? I know I've got about 12 minutes to go here. I want to get to this chapter right here and read it through, if nothing else. I want to get this to you. A star was a minister, and a minister anointed with a spirit from above. Do you realize that you represent a star in heaven, and every star in heaven represents you? Amen. Did you know God told Abraham that his seed would be like the stars of the heaven? First they were the dust of the earth, and then in the resurrection they were the stars of heaven innumerable. Did you realize that? Did you know Jesus was the bright and morning star, the greatest star of all the stars of heaven? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. When I think of it, my soul leaps for joy. There he is. There in his likeness and his presence we shall be seated someday. Hallelujah. One of the things of this earth has passed away. Listen, another scripture comes to me. Daniel said one. He said, Cold when he seen this angel come down with a rainbow over his head, put one foot on the land and one on the sea, and hold up his hands and swore by him that lives from ever and ever. When those seven voices uttered their, the seven thunders uttered their voices, he said, Seal it, not knowing until the last day. He said, But the time the mystery of God should be finished, when these will be revealed to the church, and swore by him that lives forever and ever, that time should be no more. Listen to what he said there then. He said, Go thy way, Daniel. Shut up the book. See? But I shall rest, and you shall stand the last days in your lot. But many of those who turn many to righteous shall outshine the stars forever and forever. Amen. There you are. Stars. Those seven ministers. Seven ministers through seven church ages, which consist of 2,000 years. From the first 2,000 years, the Andalusian destruction, the second 2,000 years, the first coming of Christ, the third, 2,000 years, the sixth is the last, second coming of Christ and the millennium and the end of the seventh day rest unto the church all 
Will you bear with me just a few minutes longer? Now, I don't want to wear you out, but I'll read right fast now. Unto the angel, now watch, he's addressing us directly now. We're going over to Fergus and get the last seven, and I mean to the lady of sin, and then we'll close. Tomorrow night we'll pick up from here on the mark of the beast. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, the first. Now watch, when Jesus is standing with his hands out, here's the little thing I don't want to leave out to you. Here, watch it. He's standing in the midst, that's the middle, of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, if I was standing here and the candlesticks arched around, here on my one hand is where I got out, and here's another in the side of the cross part was through the cross that brought the church. Here he is standing in a rainbow over his head as a covenant. I've made my covenant with this church through Abraham, through his seed, all is called. My brother the other night receiving Christ. He said, don't ever push me, Bill. He said, when God speaks to me, I said, you can't come until he calls you. No man can come to me except my father calls Somebody does something else, pulls you up, that's somebody else. But when God speaks, you'll come. See, right. that's right. Stand there, no man can come except my father draws him. There he is, standing there to look up on his jasper and starter stone, the first and the last, Benjamin, Reuben, all the twelve patriarchs, and how the Bible. Every bit just dovetails right straight together like that. Everything perfect. Notice, as he's standing there to look up on now, watch what takes place. He said he was Alpha and Omega. He was the beginning and the ending. He which was and which is and shall come had in his right hand now the seven stars. Now, here he started off with Ephesus. And he begins to light the candlestick. He lit it there. Then the next age, we find out the next church age, it begins to dim out. The next church age dims a little more. Until the fourth church age, the 1500 years of dark ages, and around 500, 1500, along in there, it began to get so dark until it was way up and it almost went out. And notice each one of those church ages, he said, You have not denied my name. You have not denied my name. You have not denied my name. But when he comes out on the other side of the dark ages, he said, Thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. She'd organize. She'd tuck up another false name. Watch tomorrow night what the Antichrist says. He's got a false baptism. Making you believe it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's got a false water baptism. Yes, sir. Which is even scriptural. He's got all that thing just enough to impersonate, to be cunning and slick. Watch where it comes out of. Right there is where it started. Right in there. Comes out on this other side over here. Then he said, you had just a little light, Luther. Then along come Wesley. And how it was in his age, he began to brighten up. Then it was between that age and the last age, he set an open door. He set an open door for those who would come in. Then he said, she went off into lukewarm condition, and he spurred it from his mouth, tucked the remnant, resurrection come, and away he went. That's right. There it is, standing in the seven golden candlesticks. Now, unto the church of Ephesus, write these things. Write these things, which saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. Remember, they're not forgotten. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And thou shalt bear them which are evil. And we just put up with anything that's evil and call it religion. Oh, well, they go. We go to church. We're as good as the rest of the fellows. Go right home. Stay home on Wednesday night. Watch the television. The very pits of hell. 
drive, go right out and lift up the picture show to the drive. It's too hot to go to show it even the, uh, to the church and even the preacher closes up through the midst of the summer. You say it's too hot to go to church. It's not be too bad to go to hell, brother. You'll go so many days where it's hotter than You better, listen, how can you? Brother, you couldn't make a dove eat a dead horse if you had to. He couldn't do it. His nature's different. A dove ain't going to gall. He can't digest it. And a man that's born again of the Spirit of God cannot eat those things. He can't tolerate it out of his mind. He can't do it. He can't. You're no birds of a feather flock together. And today the world and the church is so much alike you. They talk alike. They drink alike. They smoke alike. They cuss alike. They dress alike. They act alike. And they, you can't tell one from the other. And yet you're supposed to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's all for strong, brother. But I tell you, it'll give you life. Amen. The fellow one time went up to a bunch of preachers where they had a seminary called the School of Prophets. One of them said, put on the big pot now. We're going to have some dinner. So Elijah come up. A man's really got a double potion. So one of the fellows went out to pick some, some peas. And he got a lap full of green gourds and put them in the pot and began to boil it up. Why, they started eating. He said there's death in the pot. <laughs> That's just about like some of these seminaries to cook up to. <laughs> That's right. Said his death in the pot. Elijah said, wait a minute, we need to take care of that. He goes and gets a handful of meal and throws it in, so that changed things. Meal, a meal offering. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever, bird ground the same for the meal offering, and it made the difference. Can't stand them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say that they are preachers or apostles. And they are not, and has found them to be liars. That's what he said. I never said it. I'm just quoting him. But you know what God requires? God requires the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you're lost. A man who offers a couple of DDDs and LDs and PhDs and bachelor's degree and everything else behind that, and sometimes know more about God than a nothing. That's true. Brother, that don't mean anything but a whole world say, well, our minister is a doctor of divinity. Oh, mercy. That don't have more to do with God than, than take a drink of water. Not as much. That's right. God don't care how many PhDs or DDs. And, and you know what the Bible calls? Now, this is not a joke because I don't believe in telling. But the Bible calls DD dead dog. That's exactly what the Bible said it was. Dead dog. All right. So you can't bark. So that's... All right. And has bore and has patience, and for my name's sake. Oh, I want to grind that in. Oh, you're going to get that in a few nights, God willing. Has labored and has not fainted. You stayed right with it. All right. Notice. Nevertheless, I have some things against thee. Ah, here's where I have to leave off now for a little bit. I get this right here so we catch tomorrow night. Have a few things against thee because thou hast left thy first love. What's the matter with the tabernacle? A man ought to be able to say when you meet a man, is your Christian experience one which is the dearest to you? You ought to be able to say, right now. Well, my best experience is back when I first got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I come, you have to say, oh, brother, you've fallen from grace. That's right. Look. Has left thy first love, showing that they had something in the beginning and has left it. 
Not he that beginneth, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Not he always saith, Lord, Lord, but the one that doeth the will of my Father. Oh, let me just let that soak just a few minutes. I'm talking fast tonight anyhow. So let's let that soak just a few minutes. He that doeth the will of my Father. He that endureth to the end. He that endures to somebody say, I believe you, that guy's a little hypocrite. Well, if you think that about me, I'll leave church. I won't have no more to do with it. All right, there you are. Show what you're made out of. Brother, if it was a wheat to begin with, it'll be a wheat at the end. You just never stayed long enough down here. You never make the thing right. That's right. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Go back and remember when you used to have experience where you wouldn't talk about nobody. Anything went wrong in the church, you didn't sit on your neighbor's steps over there and talk about the church and talk about everybody else. Fly loose and go join another church. No, you stayed right there patiently and prayed it out. God brought it on seriously. Remember from which thou art fallen and repent. You know what repent means, don't you? And do thy first work. Go back and get your first experience. Do the things you did in the beginning. Go up the altar and make it right with God, in other words. That's right. Do thy first work, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you'll have a broke-up church and gone to pieces. Lest thou repent. But this thou... Oh, now here we come. Hold tight. Listen close. Keep your ecclesiastical vest on now and... Take your umbrella down. Listen. For but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You hate the deeds of a Nicolaitan. Now watch. What was deeds in Ephesus in the next church age was the doctrine. We're going to pick that up tomorrow night. The Nicolaitans. And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, the next, the next verse starts in the Samaritan church. Now, Nicolaitan. That's where we're going to start with tomorrow night, taking out of Revelation 13. The Nicolaitan priesthood, how it began right there in Ephesus. And that for that church age failed, in 300 years of its existence, before it went out of existence, the Nicolaitans began to start up a doctrine of priesthood of brethren. And then the first that come from Nicholas, which was one of the the uh, one of the and he in Acts the sixth chapter, I believe, in the fifth verse, where he went and showed out the uh, deacons, and they took this one which was uh, a Nicholas there and started from there and called us the Nicolaitans and begin to organize the priesthood, and from there it become a deed, what they were doing, saying these things on confessions and so forth, and then it become a doctrine over here, and went into Babylon, and ended up down here at the last time with all Christianity wrapped around it. Just a little remnant to be saved out of it. Watch and see what it is tomorrow night, if God being willing. Oh, my dear brother, my dear sister, to him that's able to keep you from falling, to him that's able to hold your heart in grace, may he shed his blessings upon you. May you never forget 
that were living in the last days of the last church age, or it's predicted to be a lukewarm church age, just half-hearted about it, and stop being half-hearted. Really come to Christ with all your heart. I ain't telling you what church to join. That don't ask. God will never ask you that in the judgment. Amen. No, sir, he don't care what church you go. He wants you. It's an individual. And you must be born again and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you're gone. You're just playing church. You're just impersonating until you actually have an experience of being born again. And there him that stood there and the seven golden candlesticks through the seven church ages and the same Holy Spirit that lit the church there lights it over here. Now there's been impersonators in that church and this the Nicolaitans there and all down through every church age impersonators so it gets down here until it's just got the one great big conglomeration of organization. And God kicks the whole thing out and takes the ring of the people to glory. May the Lord bless you. This is kind of rough, friends, but it's good. It'll help you and keep you from falling. Now, don't go around and say, Brother Bram throwed off all my church. It wasn't meant for any church. It was only meant to you as an individual. I don't. If you belong to the Baptist church, then you'd be a real Holy Ghost-filled Baptist. If you belong to the Methodist church, be a real Holy Ghost-filled Methodist. Whatever it is. And you'll not be an indebtedness. You'll be a credit to any church or any neighborhood for the glory of God. May the Lord bless you now while we stand, if you will. Dear Master of Life, after reading your word, we stand in awe, realizing that someday this reading tonight will be, we'll hear it on the tape recording as it was at the Day of Judgment. What are we going to do about it? Seeing that we're living in this last age, darkness everywhere. What a time. See the coming of the Lord, signs appearing. Great tidal waves are rolling. Man's heart failing, fear, perplexed the time, distress between the nations. Many say, oh, I've heard that for years. But did not the Scriptures say they'd say that? There's no difference in the time when our fathers fell asleep. Not knowing that we're right on the threshold. He may come before morning. And Father, what day or what hour do we know that this little brittle threads of life we're walking on will break from beneath us? And our poor souls will hang out in the balance on the Word of God. And our attitudes of what we have heard and read, it behooves us, Lord, to stop now and check ourselves. While men and women, boys or girls, standing here in this little audience tonight, pain and sound, may they think deeply just now. If they have not yet been born again, may they purpose in their heart right now, I'll never eat or drink until you fill me with the same manna that you fill them with at the day of Pentecost. Until the world becomes dead and everything secondarily but thee, my Lord, and the love for everything else will fade. But take all the love of the world from me and let me from this 
day be holy thine. Grant it, Lord. Be with the people as they go to their homes. Remember the needy. Oh, God, the poor in our land, the poor in spirit, those that are hungering. God, raise up ministers everywhere, fill them with the Holy Spirit, and send them forth preaching, Lord, like firebrands. We don't know what hour. We only pass this way once. We're only mortal once. And thanks be to God for that. But the next life will not preach the gospel. In the next life that is to come, but we'll rejoice in the gospel with them of the ages who's accepted it, with the head captain, our Lord Jesus, who's all worthy and all praise be to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Turn and shake hands with each other while we sing, Blessed be the time that binds. Exactly. We'll begin the service, God willing.